It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 74, The Curse of the Black Pearl. You're welcome. You're... Nope. <laughs> I don't know what was going to happen there. I was like going to say, you're welcome too. <laughs> Well, how about Welcome to Our Little Audio Tavern? It's a show where we're breaking down and discussing all the Pirates of the Caribbean films, starting with the first movie and dedicating a single episode to only one minute of the movie in order. So any new listeners, there you go. That's what we're doing. I'm pretty much worn out, actually. We've been on a staycation, yet it seems like we're doing more work than we'd actually (laughs) be doing if we were at work. Yeah. Things are all backed up, the days are going by so quickly, and all of our grandiose plans of getting ahead on the production aspects of the show have quickly turned into ash, just like the food in a cursed pirate's mouth. Yeah, it's not working out very well for us. No, I was just hoping to try and catch up and keep to a schedule and get everything rolling, and pretty much that has gone away. And as everyone has probably noticed, we are behind in getting episodes posted. First it was our taxes, now it's a matter of cramming a thousand projects into one week. It's like a workcation, if that's even it a word. It is a workcation. I'm doing work. I'm doing more work on this staycation than I do in work normally. Yeah, and that's like what one or two hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one or two hours a day. She's really beating it down out there. <laughs> and while we're working on all these projects and watching the clock, you know, I'm hearing the podcast calling to me. Pirates of the Caribbean minute is calling. Scott, get to the podcast. You need to air the latest episode. It's calling to you. It's calling to you. (laughs) So I'm freaking Rigetti now. That's all I can think about. My eyes are not even in sync. They just kind of rotate and do whatever they want. And then I'm all excited when we finally get to the minute. It's like... (laughs) I think I have a rather serious problem, actually. Yeah. Good Rigetti impression. Yeah, thanks. That's kind of what I've been working on during the staycation. When I say all these projects, it's actually just trying to do impersonations of all the characters. Yeah, that's a good idea, though. What's a good idea? Doing the impersonations? Yeah. Then rather than all the work that we're actually doing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty lame staycation when we're doing that. Yeah, my plans were gone. I was going to relax. I was going to get caught up on... Just reading and things? Podcasts and reading and this and that. No. Yeah, that's it's what I'm thinking. It's not working out very well. I say without further ado, let's put a bullet in the heart of this minute. In the previous minute, Will Turner tells an unconscious Captain Jack Sparrow that his schedule is already booked and there's no time to be his leverage. The gold chain hating Captain Barbosa pulls a medallion from Elizabeth's neck and places it in her palm as he proceeds to test his fire pearl napped blade against her skin. Much to our chagrin... It caused her to bleed on the medallion and when dropped, evoked the space-time continuum and special theory of relativity that an object in motion actually experiences time at a slower rate than one at rest. 
When motion returns to normal speed, the cursed crew are left wondering if they should now just be referred to simply as the crew. You get it, because there's no more curse. Yes. I had to explain that to her, because I know she would get lost. <laughs> it's sad, but she would get lost. Minute 74 begins with Barbosa pulling a gun from his belt and shooting Pintel in his heart. A surprised Keeler exclaims, You're not dead! Pintel appreciates his good fortune, but says, He shot me! The minute ends with the pirate crew turning on Pintel and Rigetti, who are now forced to defend themselves for the egregious error of absconding with the faux Turner. I think she lied to us. Will pops up from beneath the water and swims to Elizabeth, covering her mouth with his hand as she grabs a medallion to escape with Will. We pretty much start off with a cliche alert. Right away, the air raid siren goes off. It's like we're in St. Helena, which is up here. We did get out a little bit. And we were out, you know, kind of wandering the streets of St. Helena in Napa. Yeah. And they apparently use air raid sirens to summon officers and stuff. (laughs) And it's true. They actually do air raid sirens when they need to have officers or multiple officers or fire crew or emergency personnel respond to a scene of something. And we were there... For a little while, but in between like one hour when we were there, actually two times this air raid siren went off. And we're like, what is going on? We thought it was a throwback to the 80s where like the Russians are coming. Maybe now it's North Koreans are coming. I don't know. But it was actual air raid stuff going on. And it's just an odd thing that, you know, you think nowadays with radio that you could just call them and say like, hey, Billy, can you get to the scene and don't forget to bring Johnny with you? But no. Obviously, radios aren't working for them because they need to blast the air yeah. raid across the whole town. But anyways. I guess if you have it, you might as well use it. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. We don't want to blast anybody with an air raid siren right now. Yeah, but, but you, you oh. figure all the visitors that come into that area. I mean, it's Napa. Yeah. You have all these visitors there and they're wondering, well, we were wonder what the heck the air raid sirens are going off for. Well, I didn't, but Heather ran for cover. She yeah. was actually ducking cover, but <laughs> <laughs> along with half the other town and all the tourists that were there. But what I was actually getting at is we do have this cliche alert, and this is another movie cliche because there's definitely an interesting twist to this one. In this particular one, the evil mastermind, or supervillain maybe, always manages to have a reason to kill off one of his henchmen. <laughs> A, I just wanted to say henchman because it's cool. <laughs> you have henchmen, you know you've done something good or maybe bad. But if you have a crew of henchmen, it's always a good yes. thing, right? Yes. Especially ones that are just disposable. I mean, these <laughs> expendable henchmen. <laughs> just so cheap you can get rid Here, of them. Here, let me just check. <laughs> yeah. We've seen this in many movies, including the great Austin Powers And I bring that one up just because, A, we brought it up before. And plus, it really is the -the over-the-top exaggeration of this particular cliche that I can recall. So I don't know how many offhand he kills of his own men. But just sitting at that table, he manages to send a number of them to this, like, fire pit below when he pushes the button and the seat goes back. (laughs) So I don't know how many it was, but that's off the point. The real point is, is here we have Barbosa. Doing this cliche, getting rid of one of his henchmen, so to speak. Usually the henchman dies, and there's some crazy reason in place as to why the evil genius or the mastermind or supervillain did this. But typically it shows us just like, as I said, how cheap life is. The evildoer just doesn't appreciate life or that he's going to go to any lengths, or even she is going to go to any lengths to prove a point or complete the mission. Here we have the classic henchman death. Barbosa pulls the trigger... Sends a shot to the heart of Pentel and the henchmen, if you want to call him that. 
but there's no death. It's a great tongue-in-cheek moment, I think, and it's a tip of the hat to the cliche, but it's turned on its head a bit. Yes. That's kind of what I see it as. But poor Pintel. He thought he was in this inner circle with Barbosa. Yeah. (laughs) This had to deflate his ego, right? (laughs) Hey, wait, he shot me. (laughs) Yeah, because he's actually excited about it, because he thought, oh, wait, I'm still alive. Thank God I'm alive still. Oh, wait a sec, what? Why am I even saying this? Because he just blasted me. Yeah. He was in the good graces of the crew. They found, well, him and his partner, Grigetti, found what they thought or who they thought was Elizabeth Turner. And now he and Rigetti have been demoted back to the two stooges of the Black Pearl. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, you kind of feel bad for him here. Well, they were in this inner circle and they were even on deck during the kind of ritual ceremony when they were bringing Elizabeth to the yeah. island. There, you don't see most of the crew or no. hardly any of the crew, but they're there. Yeah. They're in this circle. But Barbosa just really shows them how much they think of that. He could have blasted any other crew member there. Yeah. And this is the one. That just goes to show you the luck of Pintel and Rigetti, I think. Nothing says demotion like having your captain putting a ball in your heart. I don't care what anybody says. A knife, musket ball, bullet, you name it. When your boss literally pierces your heart, it's a bad sign. And you (laughs) might want to start putting your resume out there or applying for a new job. Yeah, it's not a good sign. It's not like love. No. Touches you in the heart. No, No, that's not good. This isn't Cupid arrow thing going on. When an actual literal arrow goes into your heart, it's time to rethink that whole thing. Yeah. So when the hiring manager asks you why you're leaving your current job, Definitely avoid telling them that you were shot in the heart. (laughs) Contrary to what you think, with all the sympathy that you might get, that would not make you look good. Is that like shot to the heart? That's what I'm thinking. Shot to the heart. Shot through the heart, though. Oh, is it shot through the heart? Yeah. So now look what you just did. Now I had to put an R in there because a great 80s song you just described. Shot through the heart? I don't know. Anyways, where I was with talking about hiring managers here, everybody's hanging on the edge of their seat because they're going, oh my God, I'm getting my job seeking advice from Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. (laughs) So when they can go in there and they land that interview, they can land the dang job when they get there because they go, you know what? I remember Scott from Pirates of the Caribbean Minute told me what not to say and how to present myself. As I was saying, you don't tell them that you got shot because it won't make you look good. Just imagine this. The hiring manager after your interview is done, they're going to be telling their coworkers how they just interviewed a person with such a bad performance review, their boss actually shot them. <laughs> Not good. It won't increase your chances of being hired. Just think he's going to be saying, boy, he must have really sucked things up at, to get shot at his job. Good interview story? Yes. Good way to get hired? No. No. There was also no love from any of the other pirate crewmen here at all. A couple of them directly behind Pintel and Rigetti, you can see that they look shocked. But essentially, everyone else is okay, I think, with things. I mean, this yeah, is that what like, you get? Okay. No big deal. Yeah, it's not the, wow, are you okay, Pintel? My God, did that hurt? Are you good? <laughs> it's, what the hell, Pintel? You're still alive. The curse is still upon us. Yeah, no honor among thieves, for sure. No. But I could have expected at least a... Wow, you know, there are some looks of shock, you know, just from some of the minor pirate crewmen that we don't see too much. But the main ones are just thinking, this is a normal everyday occurrence. Yeah. And the bosun start yelling at him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why are you just lazing about? You just got shot in the heart. It's no big deal. (laughs) Get back to work. 
Given that Pintel is now rethinking his obvious life choice and his position on the crew here, Elizabeth, I'm just guessing right about now, is thinking to herself, I can't wait to get my damn hands around the neck of Estrella. <laughs> that biatch told me they were going to be here for the governor's daughter. But no, they just wanted the pirate trinket, this gold medallion. Now I'm all the way to some uncharted island with a crazy skeleton crew while she's back in Port Royal, hanging around in the mansion. <laughs> what the heck? This has to be Estrella's just whole idea to get rid of her so she could have... She's like, I'm so tired of trying to get corsets on this lady. I need a break. Yeah. Now she's just hanging out. It's like, Just yeah. kind of dusting away and doing all that stuff. They want you. Don't tell them who you are. Yeah. See? That's what it is. And then this whole thing happened. And then they just wanted a Turner. She's not Turner. No. Then again, though, I think she's actually getting what she wanted in all seriousness. A pirate story? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a pirate adventure. Unlike anything she's ever read about, one she'll never forget. The whole idea of her life being threatened maybe has gone a little bit overboard. (laughs) That's a little too much. Yeah, it's not quite the choose your own adventure she was really looking to choose. But she did choose this. I mean, she did go out there. I mean, she did expect a different outcome. Maybe she wanted us like a baby pirate adventure and she never got rowed back to shore and they took her. She got this whole... She went from I want a baby pirate adventure to the like the pirate adventure of all pirate adventures. Exactly. Where her life is threatened and everything. Yeah. So she's going to go back just a stronger changed woman after this for sure. <laughs> but what's funny is it is kind of a baby because her life was threatened. She thought he was going to slit her throat. Yeah. And it ends up just being a cut on her hand. So it was her bitty pirate adventure. Well, I'm not saying no. It was a she wanted a baby pirate adventure. Yeah, she just still wanted kind of baby. Baby, really? You're they didn't calling this kill a baby? Her? Really? You're considering because she didn't <laughs> die this a baby pirate adventure? Kinda. It was a safe one. A safe one? Have you been seeing what is going on here? <laughs> a skeleton crew she meets. <laughs> She stabbed Barbosa. It was She's lots almost, of fun. Really? Boy, this there's she a was, whole other dimension to you going on right here. She was screaming in joy when she <laughs> seen the pirates. <laughs> the skeleton pirates. Oh, man, you have a twisted view of the world on this all of a sudden. <laughs> Baby pirate adventure meant that she would just go aboard the Black Pearl get them to leave Port Royal and she'd go back and then she'd be the savior of Port Royal and say, well, look at this pirate adventure I had and I met some pirates. Not what she's endured. Oh, okay. Is this a medium pirate adventure? Then? Not even a medium one. What is your scale here? You're like Barbosa with your scale of morality here. Of, well, we didn't really do anything to Cortez, so why should we get all this damnation on us? Even though we've done a lot of killing and other things, your whole scale is skewed. <laughs> Oh, medium pirate adventure. I'd hate to see what your, like, maximum pirate adventure is. Oh, she would have died. We're talking skeleton pirates. I don't know how it gets worse than that. If she died, it would have been worse. A tick worse. A little (laughs) bit. A tick worse. (laughs) So this is medium to you? I can't even believe this. Medium pirate adventure. They fed her. This isn't like a hotel stay. This isn't bed and breakfast Black Pearl style here. (laughs) Welcome to the Black Pearl. (laughs) On your stay, you'll experience quite the adventure. No. See? No. (laughs) 
We're going to starve you for a few days on bread and water. Then we'll give you a luxurious meal. Poisoned apple. <laughs> it wasn't poison, though. That's what they made her think, though. <laughs> Your whole scale is skewed. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just have Barbosa as, like, the innkeeper at, us, at the Black Pearl bed be awesome. Well, well, I'm not saying it wouldn't be awesome. Barbosa, any- can you tell me a story? Yeah, if anybody out there knows of a pirate-themed bed and breakfast where kind awesome. of a Barbosa thing, yeah, this may maybe this is what we need to do for a living. Yeah, that'd be that would be really cool. That would be a awesome bed and breakfast. Uh huh. Huh. Or like, let's a, all sit here and ponder this for a minute. A, a little um, dinner cruise type, type type of thing. Well, I'm sure they might have dinner. They probably cruise have them. Yeah, for that. But right. I'm talking a bed and breakfast where it's actual, just all like mm-hmm. maybe where you. Oh, they maybe even have those where you kind of sleep aboard the ship and it does a day thing or something. That'd be yeah, pretty cool. That'd be cool. Heather just got sidelined, but we were talking about. Her crazy scale. But I think from Elizabeth's point of view. A view? view. <laughs> but I think from Elizabeth's point of view. Well, actually, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think it's wise that she grabbed the medallion when she was leaving with Will? Or about to leave with Will that we see in this Well, I got a question on that medallion there. Yeah? For one thing, why didn't Barbosa? I mean, this is a medallion they need. Right? Yeah. But he just kind of. When he smacked her, ended up just throwing the medallion. Shouldn't he have been guarding that thing with his life? Well, I think that there's enough pirate crew there that he felt it was safe in the cave, in this treasure room. Yeah. And I certainly don't think... Yeah, but then he's got to find it again. Yeah, but I don't think he believes that Elizabeth is going anywhere. Because he knew that it was right down there. And they can feel the gold that it calls to them. I do wonder about part of that, though. It's like... Because you just skipped my question and went on to your own, which I find rude, you pirate lady. <laughs> I have another one, too. No other ones. And quit announcing them. We've even had a listener on our Pirates of the Caribbean Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group who prefaced her question with, I have a question, and then she put, ha, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> You're becoming famous in your own mind. Yes. I'm already but why there. Did she, was it wise for her to grab the medallion when she's about to leave there with Will? Back would Barbosa have let, let me put it this way, would Barbosa have let her go knowing she was not the one, the one? That's my Neo reference because you're such a huge Matrix fan, by the way. I don't like that movie. The crew wants to kill her to spill her blood to make sure she isn't the one. Well, you know, see, I knew you liked the Matrix, but I doubt, <laughs> I doubt Barbosa would have let her go personally. I mean, that's you just, just me. kept her? Well, I don't know because that's the same. That's the same thing I'm seeing with you. Is that the problem is is that she is really their best lead as to finding the real Turner. Oh, at this that's point, true. Yeah, to have that whole blood repaid deal. Secondly, the crew is on the verge of going nuts, and Barbosa may be realizing that he needs to placate them by spilling more of her blood before all hell breaks loose. Yeah, or is actually is it heaven breaks loose since they're already in hell? Yeah. I mean, is it heaven then? Is it an opposite yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. heaven breaks loose. Yeah, before all heaven breaks loose, then yes. Am I going to be punished for eternity for saying that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it gives her leverage or leverage, as leverage. I would normally say, but Heather would call me out if I didn't say leverage. For and stealing the, the medallion hand. again? Yeah, for taking it. Because she could have just escaped and then left it, and then there would, in her mind, maybe be no reason to go chasing her, right? Because right. she's not the one. The medallion's there. Why would she want the medallion? Well, that's what I'm just saying. Maybe it gives her some leverage or the upper hand. Maybe. It's like this bargaining chip. And maybe she is actually realizing like, hey, since they're after Will, because he did say, are, 
you know, William Turner mentioned the boy from the boat eight years or the boat, the ship eight years ago. So she knows that they're looking for Will now. So maybe she thought it would be a good way to protect Will if they came after her again, or maybe they believe that she knows where Will is. But the medallion calls to them, so they'll be able to find her. Well, that's what I'm saying. She knows this. That's why I don't, I'm not sure why she grabbed it, except my only explanation is, is that it gives her the upper hand and she can try and lose it. Yeah. If they were to come, it's a bargaining chip. Like, hey, we don't know where Will is or this Turner that you're speaking of. Here's the medallion. The problem is, is she said her name was Turner. So they obviously know that she knows. Uh This is one of those things that she knows, that he knows, that she knows. So I guess maybe they are going to come back after. So maybe she did want that upper hand to say, hey, stop coming after us. I'm going to chuck this thing into the middle of the ocean. Yeah. But how'd she know the medallion was right there? Well, she saw I think she saw it. She was knocked out. But didn't when she woke up, she saw it, right? She had to turn her head. Yeah, that's a good she question. She was facing then. the other direction. She turned her head when Will grabbed her before he pulled her down. She turned her head and then grabbed the medallion and then left. Because like def- she's seen the medallion there's before. There's definitely no way that she had spotted it while getting smacked like that. No. He, he lays a blow on her. Oh, like yeah, tomorrow. big time. And then that medallion goes flying. There's no way that she saw that medallion go flying. No. It is. So she'd have to see that it was sitting there somehow. So that is a good question is, did how did she see that it was there yeah. when she didn't know that it was there? Because all this other gold is around. Right. She either saw it out of the corner of her eye or she did see it somehow. That's the only explanation because there's no way she saw it when it, all this transpired. Right. She also gives us the greatest smug look of all time. And I dare will say that in any movie ever... Barbosa realizes things aren't right, and then he looks at the dagger, he looks at the blood on it, then he realizes, like, okay, what what is going on here? If all other things have been done, the only possibility left must be true, kind of one of these scenarios. And he sells his anger for sure, but Jeffrey Rush is definitely upstaged by Kira Knightley in this moment, and she says nothing. I just love the smugness. She really pulls it off, and you can see it in her eyes in this, like, subtle smirk. She just is like, gotcha. Yeah. Uh-huh. My thought is, should she really be pulling that attitude with Barbosa? Obviously not. He knocks her out. Well, yeah, but I don't think she could help it because he tricked her about dying. So she was all worked up emotionally. This was her right back at you, buddy. You know? (laughs) It's the tit for tat that he so deserved. And we talked, I think I teased this yesterday. Yeah. And you got all over me and smacked me around because I teased a foreshadow thing here or the next minute. But... It really is that tit-for-tat thing because he was saying that she's going to die and all that. And now he calls her on it. She is just lit up like, I am so glad I have this moment on you because, ha, your curse is still there. I think that's why she's so smug, though. It's all this mental torture, this idea that she was going to die and the boot is on the other foot. Just the whole pirate adventure that we were just talking about, that's it. It just all boiled up, and I don't think she could help it. I don't think it was maybe on purpose. It was just yeah. emanating from her because she was so excited to have this <laughs> this moment because she hasn't had the upper hand at all and throughout the entire meeting with them. She thought she did a couple of times, yeah. and she thought she negotiated and realized, okay, that went poorly because I'm still on the ship. Right. So she thought she had the upper hand a couple times, but never has. And now this is her moment to finally get back at the pirates. And I think it just spills out. And that's when Barbosa just absolutely loses it. <laughs>
He should actually be proud of her because she's pulling off this like long con. I mean, this is something that he would do as a trickster. Now she is on her way to becoming a trickster like Jack and Barbosa. Yeah. Because she pulled, really, she pulled this off this whole trip. So now we have Will becoming a pirate, Elizabeth becoming a trickster. There's a yin and a yang thing here with Will and Elizabeth. They're becoming like Jack and Barbosa. <laughs> Barbosa. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pirate Transformation Day. Yes. Getting off of the, some of the main characters that we have here, we do get an introduction to one of the cursed crew. Well, one of the cursed crew with a name. And when I say introduction, I really mean that we see him because we don't really <laughs> interact with him. He doesn't say anything. But behind Pentel and Rigetti is Hawksmoor. He's the pirate sporting a number of bones, one hanging down from his hair or maybe hat. Maybe it is. I can't remember what it is exactly. But he also has a necklace of which appears to be made from maybe some bone fragments or teeth. Maybe it's some teeth. Yeah, some I'm not sure. Bones or something. They're kind of long. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Some so nasty something teeth like that. if they're teeth. Maybe. And he's portrayed by Michael W. Williams. And he's pretty much flying under the radar as far as acting goes. He has about three acting credits on his IMDb page. But since he had a pirate name, I thought I'd share it because he is one of the identified or credited cursed crew with a name. Oh, okay. But Very other cool. than that, I guess I should just say nothing exciting to see here. So move along, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I have from him. He has no backstory or anything like that. He's just one of the semi-main guys. He's not even a main guy. He's just more of an extra, but uh, an extra level up because he does have a name to his credit. Not just seedy looking pirate. <laughs> When Barbosa pulls out his pistol, did you get a chance to look at it at all? I did, but I didn't do any research on it. But it was a behemoth of a pistol when he huge. pulls that out. Yeah. The thing was that's absolutely huge. That's what she said. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have to delve into that humor. That's for, that's for the either the office-loving audience or those under 14. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of looked into a little bit and got Excellent. a little information on it. All right, get us some history, lady. It's a single barrel flintlock pistol, which Barbosa won in a duel with a Spanish pirate. Wow, nice. The pirate lost both his pistol and his life. Oh, did he? What kind of, so was, it, was he in a duel, it was, you said? Yes, in a uh, duel. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense then. The pistol is engraved with silver ornaments, including a miniature skull. <laughs> Is decorated with silver and gold around the barrel and a handle. Uh-huh. The barrel was actually longer than most pistols. Obviously, yeah, the thing like was just hanging like down to can't... his knees. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> I don't think it did. It came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> did anyway. you know Barbosa means elephant? <laughs> And according to the International Firearms <laughs> Database, the original weapon is that's, actually that's decorated. That's the website you were on? Or was it, did it have like triple X or was it adults only? No. Did you have to put no. in your age before to the site? <laughs> it was actually, the weapon is actually a decorated version of the Spanish Mikule flintlock pistol. So what do we know what that is or... We'll have to get our antique arms and armory expert here coming up. Yes. I really do got to reach out to that guy, Adam uh, Lieberg-Johnson, who was a guest on here a number of minutes back, actually has a great guest for us, too. In addition to him, not saying that Adam's not the great guest, too. He also has another one for us that has also done some pretty cool stuff and has 
some pirate knowledge and arms knowledge, antique arms and armory kind of knowledge. So that should be fun to get him on. And I'll have to do that. And then we could probably get, since Adam was a Royal French privateers group of Clan Darksail, he might even be able to help us with that French pronunciation on that. Yes. As Heather did it. I don't even want to try I it probably, right now because then I'll slaughter it and then I'll I be I'll be the it. one to blame for it. Whereas it's nice to have Heather being potentially blamed for screwing up some <laughs> French pronunciation on this antique flintlock. Anyways, it has something to do with the lock, the actual lock on it. See, a bit of history, maybe teasing a guest that we haven't even tried to get yet, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> You know, there's been all kinds of stuff going on today. Heather's dropped her famous euphemisms, and she's obviously on been accident. on accident. And then patrolling some adult websites, obviously. No. It's just incredible. You know, people tune in, and that's what they hear is just all Bar- this craziness. Barbosa has miniature skulls on his pistol. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're referring to, but you can try and end it there if you want. Oh, okay. She's trying to bring it back. Like, no, I didn't say anything. You just took it wrong. I took it wrong. You're the one who started laughing. So, well, after I said it, it came out wrong. (laughs) Yeah, of course it did. I think we should just get out of here for the day before we go (laughs) deeper into this rabbit hole. Probably a good idea. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with minute seventy-five of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean minute. Till then, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. Get me some grog. What's that, banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home! Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show! Banjo, get me a bucket! Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.